Amen. Oh, I wanted to put that on record. I think Joe should cook the breakfast. All right. I can go back to my message now. No. <laughs> Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. Amen. Where's my where's my Amen boy? Hallelujah. Where are they? Ephraim. Amen. There you go. Now we got them. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, kids' church, prayer about a breakfast. And how's everybody doing today? Good? Great? Amen. Everybody healthy? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody staying warm in these cold days? That's good. Amen. All right, let's take up an offering. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Grace, a faithful servant. How long have you been ushering, Grace? Years now, huh? <laughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for this offering. We pray, Father God, that you would bless it, that, Lord, that you would bless, Lord, our giving to you and to the kingdom of God. And I thank you, Lord, for this day. I pray that you would bless this day, that you would speak to us and through us as we submit to you, Lord God, our sovereign Lord. We submit to your lordship, your kingship, your presence. May it be here amongst us all. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Ali said amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, the kids can be dismissed. Grandma, you can take them back. He's coming. He's ready. Thank you, dear. He's going back with Grandma. Don't forget your sword. All right. If you got your Bibles, you can open them up to Jude. 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 Right in the very back, just before the book of Revelation. Jude. We're going to read all of Jude. Amen. Like a mighty storm. I have a quiz for you guys. Does anybody know who Jude is? Who Jude is? He is a servant of Jesus Christ. He was later an apostle. But brother of James, and who is the brother of who? Jesus. So that makes Jude the brother of Jesus. Right? Jude is the brother of Jesus, meaning that Jude grew up in the same house as Jesus did. Think about that. You know what's interesting? About, we don't hear of it. We don't know, but all we know in the Bible is that James and Jude both became followers of Jesus after his resurrection. Did you know that? No, they both became followers of Jesus after his resurrection. And you know that's interesting. If you look at the book of Jude, look at the chapters on the book of Jude. It goes from, it's only really one chapter to me, but it goes from three to four and then to 25. Telling me 
I'm thinking in my mind that they, when they wrote the Bible, that they took parts of a book, a separate book of Jude, in paragraphs, and they put it in, in the Bible, when they put the Bible all together. But the book of Jude, the main theme of this is on false teachers. False teachers. That's the whole, that's mainly what the theme of the book of Jude is. And I've been preaching on false teachers. Last week I preached on it. And uh, the week before I preached on it, I hit on it a little bit. But Jude's main theme in the Bible is on false teachers. And it's been one of the main themes the last two weeks. Do you remember last week I mentioned to you that false teachers deceive others and teach that we don't have to follow the, the Ten Commandments? Remember that? I mentioned that last week. I'll go back, give you a little over. over. Let's see. Last week it says, They keep on deceiving others with their teachings that we do not have to follow the Ten Commandments. These are some of the things that how you can tell. Remember I gave you the things that how you can tell who's false teachers and what they're teaching? That's one of them. They deny the Lordship of Jesus Christ, teaching that the day of the Lord has already come, and their teaching allows acts of immorality. Those are some of the ways that you know that they're false teachers. Well, it was interesting that I mentioned that last week about how they deny the, or how they don't say we have to follow the Ten Commandments anymore because we're under a new covenant. Well, I found this out yesterday going through my prophecy news watch that I get in my email all the time. That there's a mega church pastor. When I mean mega church pastor, means that they're teaching thousands of people. That's a mega church where they have thousands of congregants coming, usually have more than one or two services. You know, so they're they're sharing the word to multiple thousands of people. And he suggests that we should unhitch from the Ten Commandments. That was one of his suggestions, and I was surprised. And I thought, well, I just shared on that last week. And here it is right there in the on my prophecy news watch. I thought that was interesting. You know what's interesting? Think about this. What is the only passage in the whole Bible? The only passage in the whole Bible that God himself wrote with his own finger. The Ten Commandments. The only passage in the whole Bible that God himself When he came down on Mount Sinai, not only did he say them audibly to Moses, he wrote them with his own finger. He carved out the stone, the two stone tablets with his own finger, and he wrote on them the Ten Commandments. That is the only evidence where God actually wrote them with his own finger. And it's interesting to me that this is what they want to get rid of and that they say that we don't have to follow anymore because Jesus started a whole new covenant. And Jesus did start a whole new covenant. But if you know your Bible, what did Jesus say? When he was on the sermon, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 20, he said, Jesus never came to abolish the law, he came to perfect it. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. In other words, he didn't come to abolish. Or dismiss or wipe out the Ten Commandments. He came to perfect it. To fulfill it. He was. He did perfect it. Because he was perfect. 
in all he did. Jesus was perfect. He was the example of the law in the flesh. He perfected the law. So if we got your Bibles, open to Jude. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God, the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. The sin and doom of godless men. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Think about this. Now this letter that was written by Jude, you know... I grew up in a house and I had two younger brothers. And we didn't really get along and I didn't want my brothers hanging out around me because they were younger and it just wasn't cool back then. Right? And I used to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> I did too. And they would tell you I did. I abused them. It's interesting after Jude witnessed all of this, what his brother, older brother went through. You know, I couldn't imagine growing up the house, into the house with Jesus, who was perfect. For one, I'd get so mad, I'd be so mad at him. I'd be like, come on, can't you make a mistake? You know? Can't you do anything? You're so self-righteous. You know, I would have been judgmental of him. I would have been all this stuff of him. But then he turns around and he realized when he's older that Jesus was the Son of God. That his brother wasn't normal. His brother was supernatural. His brother was all God on the flesh. And I wonder, thinking about it, when the light came on in Jude's mind, you know, or James's mind. When did that light come on and say, oh my gosh, my older brother was the son of God. No wonder why he was perfect, darn it. <laughs> no wonder why he never got in trouble. And then he goes on to say, What he says about his brother, he says, Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. He recognizes him as he is the God of gods. He was sovereign. He was Lord of lords. Here, in my own house, with my own brother, who I slept with. In our, in our own room. I mean, I don't know about you, but I shared rooms with my brothers as I was a kid growing up. I know some of us have. He says, though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversions. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal life. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies. They reject authority 
and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring up a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do not understand by instinct. Like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. And he's talking about false teachers. He's talking about false teachers. That they preach things they do not understand or they do not know. He's talking about how these people have wiggled their way in, these godless men who changed the grace of God to suit their own itching ears or to give them a license to live immorally. That's what he's talking about. He's saying that there is the darkness of dark kept for them. He says, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. You know who Cain was? One of the sons of Adam who killed his brother Abel. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted. Twice dead, they are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering, wandering stars from whom blackest darkness has been reserved for. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. He said, see, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. I find it interesting in the Bible. So many warnings about false teachers. So many warnings about false teachers. And we are living in the last days. God is coming back soon. And God has been warning us. Jesus himself warned us about false teachers in Matthew. Jude warns us about false teachers. So many apostles warn us. Peter warns us about false teachers. Why? Because it's real. It's imminent. It's upon us. It's here. And he says that in the last days they'll even be, they'll increase. And the evil will increase. I don't know about you, but I see a rise of evil like never before. Dark is getting darker and light is getting lighter. We need to be on the side of light. Amen? It says here, a call to preserve. This is why we have to stay on the track. This is why we have to stay the course. We have to persevere. We have to press in. We cannot lose sight or get distracted or get drawn away. From the call that God has on our life. God has a calling on your life.
He says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said, in the last times, in the last times which we're in, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you. Who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Think about that. These are men who divide you. Who follow their own natural instincts. They're not following God. They're not following the spirit. They're following what they think is right. And it may sound right at times. It may be downright deceiving. And you might doubt it. You might wonder if what they're saying is true. But it's not. It's a deception. He says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Jesus is coming to bring you to eternal life. He's coming to take us away, to take us out of here into the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to show up one day unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be persevering? Are we going to are we going to hold on to the truth? It even goes on to say here, be merciful to those who doubt. How many people have we talked to that doubt the Bible? A lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that doubt the Bible. They think the book's a good book. Oh, it's a good book. It's a history book. Yeah. It's not really written by the hand of God, or it's not really written by the Holy Spirit, but it's a good book. Truth is, it's more than a good book. It's all written and inspired by the Holy Spirit. All of it. Every bit of it. It's a light for your path. Which leads to eternal life. Which leads you to Jesus. The whole book leads to Jesus. It leads to God's love. It leads to eternal fellowship. An eternal life with God. If you follow it. If you live it. If you don't get deceived by others. It says, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. In other words, not loving sin. But loving God more. Show mercy mixed with fear. That's what we need to do. You know, they, I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard it say that the Baptist can, can, can bring fear into you for salvation. <laughs> Maybe we need a little bit about, of that fear. Hell is real. It's hot. And it's a place of torment for eternity. There is no returning from it. Once you're there, you can't escape.
How is that for fear? Everlasting life is, everlasting life is just that. Seventy years a man has, maybe plus ten, it says in the Bible, eighty. After that, thousands and thousands upon thousands. That's why we have a hope in Jesus. That's why we believe. Because of what Jesus did for us on that cross. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence. Without fault and without great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ our Lord before all the ages. Now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Throughout all the ages. That's all the ages. In Jude's day, that was thousands of years ago. That's all the ages to come. And still to come. We cannot be deceived by false teachers. Test everything by the word of God. Even what I say, test it by the word of God. Jesus never came to abolish the law. He came to perfect the law. You know, what the, what's going on is that they're saying that the new covenant is just a way of love. That we don't have to follow the Ten Commandments. But Jesus, what he was, happened here. And where they're getting that is from the scriptures in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 45. I'm going to read a little bit more. In Matthew 22, verse 34, he says... That's all right, Joe. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. I love this. I love what Jesus does here. He outwitted their intellect with just simplicity, with straight talk. Thinking that they're wiser and smarter than Jesus. Think about that. They're thinking they're wiser and smarter than God. And Jesus, you know what I love about the Bible? Jesus says things just plain and simple. It's plain and simple. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't mix words. He says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them. An expert in the law tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's what they're trying to say. They're trying to say that Jesus' new covenant abolishes the law and that all you have to do is just love them. Well, no, Jesus was paraphrasing this. That's what he was doing. Then I have to read more because I just like it because Jesus just shuts these people right up. You know what I mean? And I, and I pray that, Lord, we have the ability to do the same to these false teachers. That their intellect will be dazed and confused by our simplicity of the truth. He says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you, th this is what's great, because Jesus turns around 
and he asked them a question. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said, the son of David, they replied. He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he, is, for he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Right? If then, if David, they wouldn't argue about what King David said at all. Because it's written in their, in their books. They wouldn't argue about it. It's scripture. Simple little thing. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. No one dared to ask him any more questions. I love that part, huh? Can you imagine? Shut him right up. Experts of the law. These guys were lawyers studying it. That's what their job, the Pharisees and Sadducees, were. To study the scriptures, to study the law. Word for word. Shuts them up. Pharisees try to stump them, and he shuts them up and stumps them. Church, we have to be on guard to test everything with the Word of God. You know what's interesting, too? People are trying to change the Bible and do all this stuff, too, and trying to merge other religions together, Christian religion and Islam together. It's called Krishlam or whatever it's called. They're trying to merge these. This is happening in our day. They're trying to do it to appease many people. They're trying to do it to compromise. What it says... You know, if you go back to the very end, I don't know if you've ever read the very end of the Bible. But I want to read it to you. Because I've read this to the very end. And the last paragraph of the whole Bible, there's a warning there. And it's a pretty big warning. And I take that warning to heart. Being up here, I... Being up here preaching the Word of God. This always keeps me on track. It always keeps me into the Word, so I'm just preaching the Word of God. He says here at the very end of the Bible, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from the, this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen? That's what we need. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty stern warning. Isn't it? If anyone adds or takes away from this book, then God will take away from him the sharing of the tree of life and the holy city, which is coming down, the new Jerusalem. Heaven on earth. I don't know about you, but I take warning seriously. I'm not going to drive down the road and say, oh, warning, bridge out and keep going. <laughs> Am I? I wouldn't recommend it. I'm not going to 
light a stick of dynamite and hold it in my hand, warning high explosive. Oh, well, let's see how high it is. You know? Let's see what it'll do. You take those warnings very seriously. There's a warning right there by God himself that should be taken very seriously. And that's what happens when you have people out there that do not believe the Bible is the word of God and they think that it's a good book that they can add to it, take away from it, use it for their own immorality, trying to change things, trying to change what God's word is to give them a license to be in sin. Trying to say that, no, the, the, the Ten Commandments, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I need love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I need to be reminded of that. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. All of those. And we should take it seriously. More than just a good book, it's God's Word. It's alive and well. It's to be respected. It's to be taught. It's to be studied. It's to be lived. It's a way of life. And I can't help it if I keep preaching on false teachers. Because I see so many things going on in the world in our days that are showing us and telling us about these false teachers. We can see it going on. It's happening right now. That's how we know, church, that the end is near and that God is coming back. Because it says in the end times, these false teachers will get worse and worse. There's so many false teachers out there that are tossed to and fro. They're tossed to and fro, meaning they don't even know their own stories. They can't even give you the same answer to a simple question. And all they're doing is is teaching people to be tossed to and fro. You know, when um, my wife and I, we talk about our, our church quite a bit, almost on a daily basis. We talk about the church. And we pray about the church on a daily basis. But, you know, she asked me a question. She goes, what do you see the church as? How do you see the church? Do you see it as more of a contemporary church? And I said... No, I don't see it as a contemporary church. I see the church, you know, to me, I see it more of a being more like the traditional church. Not more contemporary. You know, I think that all this technology and everything out there is great, and we should use it. For the glory of God. Amen? Yeah. And I and I've, can get caught up in that. If you know my personality, which most of you do, I can be obsessed with things. And I can get obsessive with the technology. And I can get obsessed with... I've, I've thought so many times, that we need some lights up here. We need to get some lights, like a light show. We need to, you know, get a better system. We need to get, you know, have projectors everywhere and everything going on you know and it's exciting to think about things like that but you know what it's not about that i don't i don't see it's not about that it's not about coming here to be entertained it's not about coming here to see a light show it's not about coming here because I can entertain you guys. 
and keep you captivated, or that our worship is like the best. You know, it's not about that. It's about our hearts to God. It's about God drawing us to a closer relationship to Him. I see us as a more of a traditional church. Not that what others are doing is wrong. And that what we're doing is going to be just boring. Because it shouldn't be boring. It's the Word of God. There's life in there. It's the truth. And that is more important, hearing the truth, than coming to see a great light show. I want people to have a real hunger for God and a hunger for Him. And to be drawn to God. I don't want people to come here because they're drawn because of our entertainment is so great. Or that I can preach great. I want them to come here because I want them to feel the presence of God, to be set free, to be healed, delivered. And to want to stay in His presence and not just run home to catch a football game or a soccer game. I know. I've been there. I want people to stay in God's presence. To be closer to Him. To have a relationship with Him. To know His Word and to know His truth and to be built up in the Gospel that they can stand so when the false teachers come, they're not going to be tossed to and fro. That you're not going to be tossed to and fro. That you're standing on solid ground, not on sinking sand. Right? The most important thing. I'm sure God will have football in heaven and it'll be greater than the Super Bowl. Right? Who knows? Who knows what's in heaven? Well, I want to find out. I want to find out what's in heaven. I already know what's in hell. It tells me in the book. Heaven is still a good mystery. It tells you about what's in heaven, but there's so much more than what the book tells you. There's so much more. There's things in heaven that even the Apostle Paul said when he went to heaven, there's things I can't even speak of. There's things I've seen that I don't even know how to describe. Think about that. It's amazing. I want to know what's in heaven. Amen? I thought of lights. I've thought of great worship and having this and having that. I've thought of a lot of things for our church. But you know, I think that's why God kept me from them and keeps me from them. Because He knows I'll put more importance on those than I will on Him. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to have our importance on Him. Not on all these things that are going to draw people in. What should draw people in is God's presence within us. That's what should draw people in. Is how we live our everyday life. How we act, what we say, how we respond. How is our love to others? Are we loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength? And are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? Amen. I can easily lose sight of God and get caught up in things. I lose sight of Him and who God wants me to be. 
do you know that God wants you? God wants you. And that God has a plan for you. And that God wants to be with you. Wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you do. God wants White Horse Ministries to be White Horse Ministries. Not anybody else. Not another church. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for us. God has predestined this plan for us. It says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. And you've got to remember that, that God has a plan for you. It says, in Him, we were also chosen. Think about that. God chose you to live in such a time as this. You were born in the end times. You have been chosen. You have been predestined according, get this, to the plan of Him. Not to the plan of Chris. Not to the plan of Jonah or Ed or Julia or Grace or Jordan or Annie or Joe and Joey or anybody else. Having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. God has a plan for you that is in His will. That you've been predestined to do. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Right now, one of God's biggest plans is to snatch people from the pit of hell. Your friends, your loved ones, we need to get them saved. We need to get them into the kingdom of God. Because the end is near. And the devil is out there trying to get you off of God's plan. That's what's happening with these false teachers. Because the devil knows his time is short. Things are getting wrapped up quickly. We've had signs in the heavens for the last several years. God's been giving us warnings. After warnings, there's been birth pains on this earth like never before. Earthquakes in various places, tsunamis, fires across the west. Like never seen before? God is giving us signs. He's screaming out there, Hey, listen, I'm coming back soon. Soon I'm going to be knocking on your door. The heavens will open up and you'll hear what sounds like peals of thunder, but it will be the voice of God. Saying, Arise, church, let's go. Getting us out of here for the rapture. I've still got my ticket up here. But the devil's out there deceiving people on a rapid pace. Because he's a liar. He's a destroyer. He's a stealer. He's a thief. He wants nothing more than to take God's child, whom God created, who he gave a plan to, and snatch them away from God. That's the devil's plan. And if we're not careful, he'll succeed. If we're not on watch, if we're not in his word, if we're not standing on the sure foundation, he will succeed. He's succeeding. He's pulling away thousands, tens of thousands, millions. Millions. We have to stay the course. And that's why we have to keep coming to church. It's very important. So that we can be built up, encouraged, and edified, and that we can be around like-minded believers. So we can come into the presence of God and worship Him and get strengthened. So we can go out and fight the good fight. We have to stay the course. We have to be aware that there's false teachers out there. And there's doctrines of devils. And we have to snatch as many as we can out of His grip.
You've been called. You've been predestined for this time. You're a warrior in God's kingdom. We're all warriors in God's kingdom. Amen? And our job is to get those that belong to Jesus away from the grips of the devil. And say, no, you're not taking him. I know him. He's a friend of mine. I want to see him saved, delivered, and set free. We have to expose the devil for what he is. He is a liar. And we have to bring the truth of the gospel of God, which is his word, to light. And we have to believe it. We have to believe it. Sorry, I turned it off. But I was shouting so loud I didn't even know it. We have to believe it. That this is the word of God for salvation. And we can do it, church. We've been called to do it. Jesus said, you need to go out and preach the gospel. Each one of us here is a preacher. Every one of us here has that call in our lives to preach the word of God. To stand on the truth. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for the blessing. Number 6, 24 through 26. I'll close with that. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you. Let's raise our hands. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace on all sides. May we stand firm in the faith. Lord, I pray that each person here and anyone that hears the word that comes out of here today, Lord God, would be strengthened to stand up for righteousness' sake, for Christ's sake, for the name of Jesus, who set us all free, that we would not be afraid to confront false teachers, but we would stand, Lord God, on your word, that when we confront them, Lord God, that we would shut them up from, from their false teachings. That, Lord God, that we would outwit them, not by our own intellect, but by the truth that sets us free. And I pray that it would set them free, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to stand firm in the faith. Help us not to get tossed to and fro. I pray that you would keep each person here, Lord God, in your grips, in your hands, that we would walk out, Lord God, your will of our predestined and chosen lives that you called us for and in your plan. I pray this, Lord, and I thank you, Jesus, and I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, may you be blessed. Enjoy your weekend. In day, in Jesus' name, amen.